Steve Dales of the World on WGN. It is 2.36, and in the studio at this very moment is Paul Vallis. I know you know his name because he is one of, what now, 183 people that are running for the mayor of Chicago. What is this? It's a job that nobody wants, that everybody wants. So I'll begin right there. Well, I think you have this many candidates because there clearly is dissatisfaction in the community. And I think the fact that you have so many black candidates in the race is a reflection of the black community's dissatisfaction with this mayor. And look, uh, you know, the city hasn't been this dangerous in 25 years. Uh, and, uh, you know, the schools have lost enrollment. What, well, last time, I'm, I'm interrupting, but last time it was this dangerous, you were around at that point, right? Yeah, in the 1990s, I was brought in uh, to be Mayor Daly's budget director in 93. When Mayor the, who? <laughs> Mayor, Mayor Daly, the younger. Yes. The, uh, uh, who was uh, uh, as his budget director in 1993 when the city murder rate had hit 947. And uh, and one of the things that I had discovered when I became budget director was they weren't filling police vacancies. They're like, you know, that's how they would balance the budgets every year. They wouldn't fill police vacancies. This mayor's doing the same thing. There's like, they're they're down what seventeen hundred police officers. And and you know when you don't fill those seventeen hundred vacancies and they'll make a lot. Now it's difficult because the police have been so demoralized. But but uh, but two, three, four years ago, five years ago, they you know, they weren't bleeding officers like they have been the last two years. Anyway, long story short, uh, I decided to fill those vacancies. I I felt just the savings in overtime would help, uh, you know, would help budget for those positions. But uh, we really embraced the strategy of doing community policing where every single police beat had officers, officers who were known to the community officers who knew the community. So you didn't have to wait an hour or two hours to have your 911 calls responded to. There was a police presence in each of the communities. Now, we did a number of other things, too. We ballooned the detectives division, so you had enough detectives working murder cases. Um, I, of course, opened schools through the dinner hour and into the evenings and on weekends and through the summer and even during holidays. Uh, to keep schools open for so kids would have a safe and secure place to go to. You know what I mean? We we opened 125 so campus you, parks. So let's go back to the police for a second. I do want to talk about schools. Would you do the same thing essentially again today? Fast forward the clock this year. Yeah, f- fast forward. These are things that 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 the current mayor could have done. That the next mayor. Or, or that I will do as mayor. First of all, I'll fire Brown and his leadership team and promote from within. Like from day one. Yeah, yeah. They have, they have lost the rank and file. Uh, uh, secondly, I will push the officers to the local police beats and make sure that there is beat integrity. There are some nights... What like, does that mean? What does beat integrity mean? Beat integrity mean? means that police beat has a car uh, that is that is uh, patrolling. You know, right last year, I think Wire Points pointed out that there were 406,000 High priority 911 calls that came in for which there was not a police car available, and, and including 32,000 assaults and batteries in progress. That means when the calls came in, there was no car to respond. Now, eventually they may have responded, but by that time it's, it, it's too late. And incidentally, uh, that means that they're probably significantly underreporting the number of crimes in the city, too. So at the end of the day... Uh, what you just said, uh, again, I, I'm sorry for interrupting. No, please do. I want do. to make a point of this. It's appalling. I mean, at the, first of all, I believe it's in city ordinance. If you call 911, that call has to be responded to, period, end of story. You're saying, 
And anyone who lives in Chicago knows that always doesn't happen anymore, yeah. first of all. And mm-hmm. secondly, uh, crime is such a, a difficult issue right now. And it's it's how can how can there be a response if there is no response? That's right. Well, you know, I think the fact that there's a lack of officers because officers continue to exit uh, because they're demoralized, uh, you know, because you don't have rational work plans for the officers. You know, officers are being moved all over the city. You know, they're not embedded in individual communities for all the reasons, the, the, the lack of support for the rank, for the, uh, for, uh, you know, uh, um, their lack of confidence in the superintendent. I mean, those things aside, the bottom line I- here is, it, it is you've got to have beat integrity. You've got to have police officers on that local beat. You've got to be able to respond to calls in real time, and right now, the way they've de- their strategy, their the way they've deployed officers, the way they've assigned officers, uh, they do not have the capacity to do that. So, priority number one would be new leadership team, uh, return to community, and, and and return to community policing, and and getting the police on a a normal, predictable work schedule. So you're not just exhausting them, and you're not just moving them. Uh, through the four corners of the city. Now, that, now that is only part of the problem. A, a second part of the problem is they've really handcuffed the police ability to be proactive. They can't chase people. They're really not arresting people. I mean, I think uh, there's been, visualize this. There's going to be, there's a, they predict 22,000 car thefts this year, 100% more than last year. They are now averaging 100 car thefts a day, 100 car thefts a day, um, they've made 2.5% arrests. Uh, people are just committing crime. They're robbing stores. They're going into shoplifting. They're stealing cars. And there is simply no accountability. And even when they are arrested, I mean, look, I mean, uh, they, have a, they have the additional problem of Fox failing to charge them, or even if she does charge them, Fox releasing uh, uh, habitual offenders on felony bail, and of course, when the Safety Act takes full effect, there's going to be, you know, there's going to be a, a big, a, a big increase in individuals who have been arrested who are not going to ha- have to post bail. So this so couple, creates problems. A couple questions about yeah. that. So your mayor, you're not state's attorney Kim Fox. So what can you do about that? Your mayor, you're not uh, the state legislator that. Legis- that passed the Safety Act. Well, let me point out that Chicago is a home rule unit. Old Man Daly, when they they wrote the the state constitution in 1970, made sure that there were provisions in the contract that gave Chicago enormous power to do things, even independent of the state. So the state, the city can uh, can enact its own public safety ordinance. So, so hang on a second here, because you you, to my knowledge, are the first candidate saying, if you're saying this, that we can not go by the new safety act well no what i'm saying is we can do things independent of the safety act that can allow us to be more aggressive about making arrests about finding about confiscating property about confiscating vehicles we can also bypass fox by going straight uh, to the u.s attorney i mean why aren't we meeting with the u.s attorney on a regular basis i mean uh, i remember uh mayor daly used to have monthly meetings where he'd have the state's attorney there the u.s attorney there he would have the judges there uh, uh, uh dart county you know county sheriff sure. they were all there they're all there he had suburban police superintendents all there talking about coordinating activity but but you know let me tell you you can bypass fox number one 
you can you can seek more prosecutions under federal law. They're tougher. They're not subjected to state law. And at the end of the day, the sentences are longer, particularly when people commit crimes using guns. Secondly, you can bypass her altogether if she refuses to charge and go straight and go straight to a judge and task that charges be levied. Uh, many, many officers have attempted to do that. A lot of times uh, they've been then overruled by their superiors. The third thing you can do is the city itself can prosecute cases. The law department itself could prosecute cases, selective cases where clearly the state's attorney has been negligent. And if the, and if you just begin to do a, a token number of cases, you really put enormous public pressure on the state's attorney. And, and the fourth thing is, it, it is to be really transparent about communicating uh, uh, instances like CWB Chicago, God bless them, does with their regular reporting about individuals who have been arrested for felonies, charged with felonies six or seven times. They, you know, this is the eighth time to get arrested. They put them on felony bail. And, and under the and for some of them uh, under the SAFE Act, they're not going to be required to post bail at all. So those are things that the city can do. In fact, the city, if it wanted to, could enact uh, an ordinance that basically said if you shot at a cop or if you intimidated or threatened the witness, you could be you could serve uh, 364 days in prison. So the city has the power to be aggressive. We have the power to get our police department back on track. We have our power to bypass the state's attorney. And rest assured that when the, the next election uh, is um, for state's attorney is up, uh, I'm going to be supporting as mayor, a state's attorney, that believes that their primary responsibility is to prosecute and to keep people safe and secure. I think that is a human right. So at, at, there are things that we can do. All are, these... are you the first candidate saying some of what you just said? I think we just made news here. I think we did. Because I don't believe any other candidate, to my knowledge, has talked about, okay, this is what we could do to, on our own in Chicago mm-hmm. regarding the Safety Act, for example. So I, that's good. I hope our newsroom is yeah. listening. I'm sure they are. It is 246 on WGN. Paul Vallis, mayoral candidate, City of Chicago, is here on WGN. WGN Radio, it is 10 minutes before 3 o'clock. Paul Vallis is here. He is still very tall, I'm happy to report. <laughs> I'm shrinking and, a little bit, you know. I hope not. I don't know. I don't know. Age so, shrinks you in size. Well, and, and what's not shrinking is the number of candidates that are I mean, running right. for mayor for the city of Chicago. I mean, I think we just made news, actually, what you just said about Kim Fox, that uh, you're not a fan, clearly, oh, you, but right. you can't do anything about it. She's an elected official. But here's a end around. Some of others that are running for mayor, I think, are fans of hers. Yeah, well, you know, Trudy Garcia just entered the race. And of course, uh, I think he supported her twice, both uh, the first time against Anita Alvarez, with, with, which I thought was a, was a mistake. And so, look, all these candidates are going to have to provide specifics. Well, that's the other thing. You... You have specifics, and you've been providing specifics. Right. And speaking of which, I want to talk about the Chicago Public Schools. So you said that you have some ideas as to what to do, which would also enhance public safety. Well, let me point out that that when we did the community policing and and made beat integrity a top priority, um, you know, the murder rate went from 947 to over like the next seven, eight year period, I, I think it peaked in terms of its decline in the low 400s. I mean, there was a dramatic New York-style decline, not as almost as dramatic, and, and it happened during that period for a combination of reasons. But then when I was, uh, when the mayor asked me to take over 
what was a close-to-bankrupt Chicago public school system that had lost 115,000 students in like 15 years who had simply left the system, uh, we decided to, to, to turn those campuses over to the community in terms of opening the school campuses through the dinner hour, on weekends, on the holidays, over the summer, and to bring community-based organizations and park district programs onto the school campuses so the kids had some place to go. We also, in the high school, did a series of work-study programs, paid work-study programs. So we were hiring during the course of a, a year, 15, you know, 10, 15,000 students and sometimes more over the summer who were in paid work-study so we could get them engaged, introduce them to the work world. There's no reason why the schools can't do that. This is not about requiring that teachers teach more. This is requiring about taking a school like Mendel in Roseland, Gwendolyn Brooks, a school that I built in my neighborhood, and opening that campus up to the community because where are these kids going to go? Michigan Avenue? I mean, it's a. It's well, they no, have been. There's nothing. <laughs> I'm talking about been. Michigan Avenue in Roseland. Oh, it's well. nothing about. It's nothing but a series of vacant storefronts. Yes. These kids have nowhere to go. So those are things that the schools should do. Because let me give you a, a stunning statistic that people should think about and that candidates should respond to. Because the question is, what are you going to do? What role is the schools going to play? There have been over 200 murdered school-age youth since COVID. 200. And 95% of them were not in school or were in school in name only. That data came from the University of Chicago Crime Lab. Last year, University of Chicago Crime Lab did a study that said 8% of the murders, 9% of the shootings, uh, uh, I think it was over 50% of the carjackings were committed by school-age youth. Incidentally, same percentage, 95% were not in school uh, or they were in school in name only. Do you think shutting down the entire school system for 15 months and and having those uh, children at home or walking the streets had anything to do with that. And unfortunately, we've lost tens of thousands of students to the streets. So what are we doing to repair the damage? What are the schools doing to open their campuses to, to, to keep the kids more engaged? What are we doing to reach out to those schools, those children that have left the schools? I mean, you know, I built the, the Alternative Schools Network, the Youth Connection Charter Schools, 22 community-based alternative schools. I mean, why aren't we supporting an expansion of those schools? Why aren't we taking some of these vacant buildings and opening up adult ed occupational training centers for those older youth, 18 to 25, who are not going to return to school if ever. They have no skills, and many of them have been in some phase of the criminal justice system. We have the resources to do this. We simply have leadership that does not have the imagination, nor perhaps the will to get it done. All right, so resources. Uh, I have a text here uh, that Chicago at some point, let me read it exactly. Chicago is running out of federal funds. Does that mean our taxes go up if you are mayor? Well, well, look, the mayor has clearly built her budgets around COVID, using COVID money. Where other cities that were better run and other states that were, you know, and, and other states have actually used a lot of the COVID money to provide relief. Uh, so at the end of the day, you need... I believe that the city, I believe that the next mayor will probably inherit about a billion dollars in unspent school district COVID money. I also believe, despite the fact that the mayor seems to have appropriated all the COVID money, 
She's simply not spending it. Now, either it's because of incompetency or it's because of intent. But the bottom line is there were stories done uh, uh, by uh, a number of reporters that talked about how in this year's budget they appropriated the same COVID money they were supposed to spend last year on the same program and put out a press release like on the homeless on the homeless initiatives as if it was a new program. So so the bottom line is I think there's still going to be COVID money there. That's number one. Number two, the next mayor is going to have to be someone who has the capacity to look at all the budgets the city controls, just not the city budget. The mayor controls $28 billion in spending. The city budget is $16 billion, but when you include the CHA, the CTA, the parks, aviation, water, sewer, you include uh, the, Chicago, uh, the Chicago Public Schools is $28 billion. But the question the question is, in all due respect, are taxes going to go up? That's what that's what I don't believe is. taxes will need to go up under my leadership. When I was city budget director... So that's I, a no or a yes? That's a no. Okay. I froze taxes uh, in each of my budgets, and when I was school superintendent, we always operated... Uh, um, under the very restrictive limited property tax cap. There were years when we actually didn't even go go to the cap because daily always, and incidentally, we did it while fully funding pensions and we did it while balancing our budgets and not mm-hmm. cutting services. All right, well, thank you very much. A great way to end an interview. Yeah, thank Taxes you. are not going to go up. I mean, how how better off can you end it? Uh, Paul Vallis, it's always a pleasure to talk to you and I to see you. It. Thank, thank you. you. Bye-bye.